The clock is ticking ever louder toward the midterm election. Today on Keeping Democracy Alive, we're going to speak to someone at the national level who knows if it looks like we can keep democracy alive. I'm Bert Cohen, and with your help, uh, maybe we are keeping democracy alive. Let's hope and work together. He's not breathing. Can you get a pulse? Barely. Call a code. Get Nambia back from the nurse's station. Heart's still working, means synapses are still firing. We just need to get a message through. Prosperity for the few, the rights of U.S. corporations to extract from the land of Central America and exploit the people of Central America. What we've really seen is a financial sector that's gotten out of hand. There's a huge gap between public opinion and public policy. People don't feel that they can do very much. I speak tonight for the dignity of man. Americans often don't really pay attention to election and campaigns until after Labor Day. Well, today we find ourselves in the last minutes before the incredibly important November 8th midterm contest that will decide not only who and which party wins this election, but without exaggeration, really, the future of democracy itself hangs in the balance. There are forces that uh, really are aiming to uh, target democracy and uh, do away with it, because it's so inconvenient after all. My guest today is someone I first met in 1976, when I believe we were both working to re-elect Congressman Michael Harrington of the North Shore in Massachusetts. Uh, and I believe he won, which is a good thing. He didn't run again after that, though. Our guest is Neil Oxman, co-founder of the Campaign Group. They work at all levels of voter contact, and they can boast that they produce ads that win tough elections. That's a good thing. They won, they've won dozens of awards, and as we approach the uh, election, uh, the casting and counting of ballots, with three weeks to go, I thought listeners would appreciate hearing from someone with a vantage point which is not mine or the listeners. Someone who knows his stuff. Neil Oxman, thanks for being with us. Well, thanks for having me, Bert. Uh, and yes, we did meet in 1976, and Michael Harrington did with, win his last campaign. Um, and he was going to run. He was going to run for the United States Senate uh, uh -huh. against Ed Brooke. Oh, and uh, and he really and he pretty much would have been unopposed in the primary because right. he was kind of the dean of the liberals back then. Yeah. Uh, but he decided not to run. And uh, he was right. Ed Brooke was beaten by Paul Songus. All right. Yeah. Paul Songus. He was another guy I, I worked for at the time. Two terrific guys. And I should mention that there is the Michael Harrington, the, the socialist author, who wrote uh, The Other America and some other books. It's not that Michael Harrington. This guy was no, no. liberal, but not real left. He was not a socialist. He was what used to be a typical Democrat of the Democratic Party. And now, I don't know, he might be considered uh, uh, too left. Well, the election is, is creeping up really fast. And as uh, Alfred E. The election is, yeah, it's uh, three weeks from tomorrow. As Alfred E. Newman used to say, what, me worry? Yeah, I'm worried. I am worried, I have to say. Had the election been a few weeks ago, I think Democrats 
may have swept abortion, the rights of women over their own bodies was front and center, of course, due to the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe versus Wade. Well, today, many weeks later, Democratic TV ads are almost exclusively still focused on that issue, which no doubt will bring out women in greater than normal numbers and will bring out a lot of people. But I, I worried about that. What's happened with the reproductive rights issue since then? Do you think, from from what you're seeing of the field, has it lost momentum? Uh, I don't think it's lost momentum among the people who care about it, Bert. I mean, I think, you know, if you're a suburban woman outside of Boston or outside of Philadelphia or New York or wherever, um, and, you know, that is an important issue. I mean, it's an important issue for a lot of people. But I think for 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 those people, it's a driving issue. And it is, it's an issue that um, will make them absolutely vote, either vote by mail early or come out on election day. I th- but clearly, the number one issue uh, for all Americans, including Democrats, is inflation, the economy, um, you know, w- w- where things are going. Are we headed into a recession? You know, the market being down 6,000 points. I mean, all, anything related to money. And, uh, you know, so if you're a if you're a comfortable upper middle class suburban woman, um, you know, and, and you're a little less worried about your economic future, abortion is your number one concern. But for most Americans who don't fit that description, um, you know, it's it's a fact that two months ago, gas was five dollars a gallon and it dropped into the threes and now it's creeping up again. And um, and home heating oil costs a lot more uh, and eggs are four dollars a, ga- uh, a dozen instead of two. And and these are real concerns for for, you know, the average uh, uh, person in the United States. And that's what most people are concerned about. And I do wonder if why why the Democrats is it just uh, because that's the ad they have, you know, and are just pushing on abortion, abortion, which obviously is a strong issue and is an extremely important issue. But knowing what you just said, I mean, clearly they know that the the inflation and the economy uh, is has become the number one issue. Why? Why? I don't. Well, see I, I, don't I, I think some pollsters. Um, are trying to get clients to pivot to that burn and they're trying to get clients to talk about that. Remember, um, I mean, I just literally saw polls that, that, that we had done last week where we asked, uh, voters, this is in a congressional district in, in outside of Philadelphia and New Jersey, you know, we asked voters, who do you blame? And, uh, you know, Biden and the Democrats in Congress, received the most blame. Now, it wasn't a majority. It was a plurality uh, in the 30s. And then it was a mixed bag of, uh, you know, the war in Russia and the, the oil companies and the supply chain, you know, and COVID and a whole bunch of other stuff. But I think that that some candidates, some pollsters are afraid to have their clients make this the number one issue because Democrats are in charge and because Biden is in charge and, um, you know, they don't see a, a way to maneuver around it. 
Um, and I think that's wrong. I mean, I, I, I don't think we should ignore the abortion stuff. But I think that right now, for the last few weeks of the campaign, we should close on we have solutions to, you know, turning the economy around and making it better. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, as compared to Republican policies. And it does seem like a lot of people, <clears throat> non-political people, people not like you or me, <clears throat> see, you know, don't they, they don't really pay attention to it and they don't know what Democrats have done. And I find this frustrating as heck. I didn't support Biden in the New Hampshire primary, but I, he's done a lot. He's really accomplished a lot. And the, and Democrats are not touting that. And, and you talked about being afraid to bring that up because the first association is, well, this is Biden's fault. Uh, it couldn't, is, it impo is it too much to explain? Because, I mean, as, as some political advisor, wise person said to me a long time ago, when you're explaining, you're losing. <laughs> well, I mean, I, that, that is, uh, I think that's true today as it was, it's been forever. Um, I mean, Biden is out around the country trying to talk about stuff. Um, right. You know, it's, it's, it is complicated, you know, to sit down and say, look, my inflation reduction act in the long term mm -hmm. is going to help bring prices down. But if you're, you know, if 10 minutes later, after you hear that speech, you you pull up your gas station right. and, and, you know, you, you have 20 gallons to put in and it's $80 for those 20 gallons compared to 45 or $50, you're angry. And who are you going to blame? You're going to blame the guy in the white house. Um, you know, that's, I mean, yeah, you, you might blame the Fed. Not really. I mean, no. who's the Fed? It's just some amorphous, you know, behind the curtain group of people who, you know, make your mortgage rates go up. But um, it, it's it's a difficult situation. I agree with you. I think, I think three or four weeks ago, Democrats definitely had the momentum. Yeah. And in a lot of these Senate races, um, and governor's races around the country, uh, the gap for Democrats was a little wider than it is in some of these races now. And, um, you know, you don't know what's going to happen in three weeks. I mean, the world changes in three weeks. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, it's it it just seems that it's uh, uh, we're back on our heels a little bit. So it seems. Well, Democrats are kind of used to that, unfortunately, uh, not having. Yeah, I, I've said for a long time. As a former candidate myself, who, by the way, I did win a few races, seven actually, uh, that, uh, you know, if people can see what the Republicans are, they know what the Republicans stand for, but they don't know what, what the Democrats are. If we don't hoist something up the flagpole, how can people salute? And I think I, I'm getting the sense, yeah, they know we are for uh, reproductive rights, and I think that's a good thing. Uh but the other stuff, you're right, it does get complicated. And with the, you know, increasing uh, uh, existence and, and awareness of, uh, you know, 24-7 firehose news media, people don't have time to pay attention. I mean, inflation and price rise, I mean, the reality is it really can't be blamed so much on the president or Congress. It's easy to say, well, they're spending all this money. They're raising taxes. Never mind that the taxes that they're raising are just on the richest people. But does that even matter, that reality? Because it's it's like too hard to see. 
It's, yes, it is. I mean, and because, look, you and I know, Bert, that there are, there are half a dozen major reasons that things cost more today. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's not it's certainly not Biden. I mean, it's it, why would Joe Biden want prices to go up on a gallon of gas? He wouldn't. <laughs> or on a dozen eggs, he wouldn't. You know, I mean, that's it's just silly. I mean, there are, you know, you know, you can't get. You can't get chips for cars, so the price of automobiles and especially used cars are going up. I mean, you know, there are because the chips are made abroad, mm-hmm. and you know, things were locked down over there longer than they were here. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, to explain these half dozen things right. is not a thirty-second TV ad, and in fact, it's not even a two-minute or three-minute um, statement in a debate. I mean, it's a you know, it's a it's a much longer answer on Meet the Press in the morning in the old days of Meet the Press, where there would be four reporters and just one guest the entire half hour. And it wasn't just reporters talking to reporters. They'd actually have real guests talk to 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 uh, to reporters in, in a different world before reporters wanted to be stars and not just reporters. But um, that doesn't mean you can't do commercials, though. And turn the thing around. I mean, you know, we're running spots now where we just say, you know, Bert Cohen understands that things cost too darn much right now and talk about everything that Bert Cohen has done to fight, you know, to 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 lower the price of, you know, to suspend the gas tax in states, you know, to save money that way, to fight the cost of health care, to lower the cost of of groceries. Um, you know, by all that, you know, by all the votes you've made and 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 just hammer that home. And that's what we're doing in some of our campaigns, because uh, we've already won the abortion debate. Uh-huh. We've already won. It. You know, it's 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 there. So, um, I mean, if you ask people, if you ask people in polls, the two main candidates for Congress are a Democrat and a Republican. Which candidate would support abortion rights? A majority of Americans would would understand and answer the Democrat. Conversely, because some, you know, because there's also this crime issue in a lot of the states, Democrats are losing about crime. If you ask people, the two main candidates are a Democrat and Republican, who would be tougher fighting crime? Most Americans would say Republicans, yeah. you know, so we're, you know, in some campaigns like the Fetterman campaign in Pennsylvania for the United States Senate, mm-hmm. he's really on the defensive about crime. Yeah. And that, that is a, a big issue. And, and we all, well, people who've been working in politics while understand the power of fear, fear has been a powerful motivating factor in politics for decade after decade. And of course, there's crime. I mean, even if you don't see it, you know, if you're a suburban person, but, you know, you hear about it, you get these pictures of, you know, things burning in the cities and stuff like that. It works. And Republicans have, it seems to me, this year in the ads have almost literally been fanning the flames of fear of crime. Is it how? What's your sense of of why it's working? I mean, the reality is. Well, you know, you can't you can't beat real news. If you live in Chicago or you live in L.A. or you live in Detroit or Baltimore or mm-hmm. St. Louis or Philadelphia or Houston, 
the news leads every night with murders. I mean, you know, Philadelphia had 562 murders last year. Mm. Philadelphia has a million and a half people. It's one sixth of the population of New York. And we had more raw murders than New York, you know, does. We had 24,000, 20, 2,400 shootings in Philadelphia. So if you were, you know, if you live in this media market, which covers all of Delaware, the, the bottom third of New Jersey and 40 percent of Pennsylvania and the, the, the real news are mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. horrible murders that have happened. I mean, you know, shootings at a football practice, um, you know, just just bizarre, horrible stuff. Young kids and it's young kids shooting young kids and killing young kids because of because of because they based on social media. Um, you know, you you have to. You know, it's real. It's not made up. It means different if you're if you're in Madison, Wisconsin, where there's, you know, four murders a year or something. And you're you know, you don't it's you know, it's not Milwaukee. And so um, it's easy then, Bert, to translate that into things that, you know, are scary. Now, it's not it's not going to work in the middle of Kansas where, you know, where where the crime rate in some of these counties, you know, there's no crime that goes on essentially or it's just property crime. But, you know, it's it's worked. I saw I told people this just as a consumer. And, you know, we we I do fewer races than I used to. We used to do 25 campaigns a year and I'm getting ready to really just, you know, as I say, I'm semi retired. So I I do a handful of races. But in 2000, in in 2020, in um, South Jersey, along the the Jersey coast, Amy Kennedy, who is the was the um, daughter-in-law of Ted Kennedy, um, ran for Congress, and she had with literally with about two weeks to go, she had a fairly wide lead in the polls, and the Republican uh, independent expenditures came in, and they made the whole campaign about defunding the police, and I saw, I literally watched her campaign get washed away. You know, and she lost by six or eight points when she had been Ooh. up six or eight with two weeks to go. And and I and that's that's a playbook in some races they're trying to do. They're 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 working very hard to do that in, in Georgia and and in Ohio and in Pennsylvania um, and in Wisconsin. They're really, you know, in Wisconsin, especially they're really trying to do defund the police against uh, All right. uh the lieutenant, the former lieutenant governor, who's Johnson's opponent. That is a most unfortunate phrase that somebody came out with. I, I, I have to wonder if it was some dirty trickster from the uh, the Trumpist side because it plays well. No, it, it, it and unfortunately it wasn't. It was uh, just dumb. A bunch of liberals <laughs> in Minnesota who, you know, in, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, after the Floyd stuff, who right. um, who said it in, you know. And interestingly, when we poll, you know, who's not against defunding the police, African-American families, you know, grandmothers who live in 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 black neighborhoods who, you know, want a police presence to make sure their neighborhoods are safe. They literally are against defunding the police. Absolutely. And uh, if you just tuned in, Bert Cohen here, the show is Keeping Democracy Alive. And we're talking about the ticking time bomb that uh, the election is coming up really soon. Uh, Can we keep democracy alive? How much is it 
really uh, at stake here. Our guest today is a uh, another political veteran, Neil Oxman, co-founder of the Campaign Group, and they work at all levels of voter contact. And and I do wonder about many. We got a lot of things to talk about here. Fear of crime. There are. I I have wondered if, and I almost hate to say this, if fear of crime is really a smokescreen for racism, if it's a way that, you know, the fear that it is for people who who don't live in the big cities but can see, well, that's not us, that's them, that's those people. I I wonder about that. I mean, you know. No, no, absolutely, Bert. No, it is. I mean, it, 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 it is. But then... You know, a few years ago, Chicago had almost 800 murders, and that wasn't – I mean, that's real. And, right. um, you know, and so, you know, if you live in if you live in the suburbs of Chicago and you're afraid to go downtown to go to the baseball games or go to the museums or go to restaurants because 800 people are being murdered, now they're only being murdered in a fairly few neighborhoods, mm. and you're probably not going to those neighborhoods, but it's still – it's it's a real thing – that real world trumps, you know, the political ad stuff. And mm. it's why, you know, $5 for a gallon of gas, if it, if it gets to, well, it's, it's getting close to $4 a gallon now. I mean, you know, the, oh, the, yeah. the average price has crept up a little bit that no matter how many spots that you say that Democrats are uh-huh. fighting inflation, um, you know, when, when, if three weeks from now, the Sunday before the election, you know, gas is four dollars, four ten or four twenty a gallon. You're angry. I mean, you you know, and 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 it's November, and if you live in the top half of the country, you know, you're you're going to start putting your heat on. You know, right. it's, it's you know that's uh, uh, you know I right. so that's that's a real world thing that trumps a thirty second political ad that you see on TV on CNN or MSNBC that says. Uh, now the good thing is for us is we have something in, we have things that that scare Democrats into staying Democrats. One, um, obviously, is the abortion question, and two is this st- what you just talked about, um, which is the fear of democracy ending. I mean, legitimate fear that that this that that somehow these institutions are eroding right before our eyes. Something that you wouldn't have thought about. Ten years ago, even a couple of years ago, wouldn't have thought about it. And I have to get back to the to the crime issue. You're right; the reality trumps anything that goes on TV or in social media. But and it's also true: guns are part of the problem. They're a big part. Of, I mean, that 15 year old kid who killed five people. What the heck was he doing having access to guns? Young people have access to guns. Who makes guns so available to, you know, any kind of gun to anybody, anywhere? That's the Republicans that are doing that. They're owned lock, stock, and barrel by the uh, by the National Rifle Association. And I wonder, do people not get that? I mean, it's it's the guns. The guns are a big factor. And Democrats aren't playing. Well, no, they, as you know, Bert, they hide behind the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. And what they say is... These crimes aren't being committed by lawful American citizens. These crimes are being committed by people who get guns illegally, and 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 
and pull the trigger. Yes. What? Why should? What? You know? Why should a fifteen-year-old be able to get a gun? I mean, right. why? Why not raise a limit everywhere from eighteen to twenty-one? Really? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can't drink until you're twenty-one in a lot of states. Why should you be able to buy a gun? It makes it doesn't make any sense. So, but then they'll say, well, you can serve in the military when you're eighteen. You can get a gun. So why can't you get a gun to hunt or uh, mm. you know to hunt and do all this stuff and. Um, uh, is that not a winning issue? Is it not potentially a winning issue for Democrats? Or maybe it's not. I really don't know. Um, it is. It is after you know. Tra- tragically, as you know, when something happens right. where there's a mass killing, I mean, Uvalde or right. in you know in in Connecticut or in Florida, Parkland. I mean, all the stuff that Columbine. I mean, when those things happen. Then it jumps up for a week, two weeks, three right. weeks, and then goes away. Um, it just it, it it goes away because because though because people are you know I'll never forget this. I have a friend named Larry Eichel, who for years was the chief political reporter of the Philadelphia Inquirer, and he told me this thirty years ago. He said he was in Western Pennsylvania in Westmoreland County. Ooh. And um, he uh, was interviewing, uh, you know, some some voters before one of the campaigns. And he was talking about guns to this is before the world like it is today. And he said that, you know, he, he was talking to a man who was very thoughtful. And and um, the the gentleman said to him, no, to the to my friend Larry, he said, mm-hmm. no, you, un- you understand, son, the Second Amendment is there to protect us against the tyranny of the federal government. And that's before, you know, right. all the stuff that's going on now in the last few years. But I think it's I think it's there's a group that it's long seated and, uh, you know, you're not going to take my gun away ever. Right. Right. And even though I Democrats don't want to do that. The fear of it, it's simple, it's easy to understand, and frankly, it works. Right. Uh, and and it wasn't that long ago that the NRA was very was a different kind of an organization. Yes, right. Where they cared about, as you know, gun safety mm-hmm. and training. Um, they weren't as doctrinaire as they are now. And um, you know, I don't know who or what or why or how they switched. Um Look, there are a lot. There are. I have tons of Democratic friends who are hunters. Sure. And you know, I mean, they're not for taking guns away. They're just, right. you know, for. I mean, you know, why does? But as they say, who needs an Uzi to go hunt a deer in Pennsylvania? Exactly. It makes no sense whatsoever. Right. And you know, cars. People die from car crashes. Nobody's talking about taking cars away. We have controls over it. But that gets too complicated, I guess. I don't know. You got to keep it simple, stupid as hell. No, although it's interesting that when when we had in the seventies the the you know the the gas the first gas right. you know boycotts and stuff that happened and and uh, um, we lowered the 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 driving speed limits nationally to fifty five miles an hour. Um, and, and death rates went down, of course. And, you know, there are some states where there are, 
you know, the, the speed limit's 80. And, but when you try to lower speed limits to, you know, for right. some reason, thing, then, then in the West, they go crazy on you. It's <laughs> like, you know, I mean, why do we need to have lower speed limits? Because if you're driving across Montana, you don't see another car. Right, right. We can, you know, we, we don't need speed limits. We can drive a hundred miles an hour. And, you know, so, um, yeah, it's, it's so it, people, pe- people are overweight. They smoke, they drink, they do drugs, they drive fast. Uh, you know, it's, and, and a lot of, and, or they don't want to get a, a vaccination right. because, you know, it's crazy. And so it's hard to protect people from themselves. And, and then it's the government, you know, and the government interfering in my life, which, 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 you know, when I was a kid and you were a kid and we were tiny, we were five, six. I mean, I remember everybody, everybody in our neighborhood walking to a neighborhood school to get a cube of sugar with a, with a, with a vaccine, a polio right. vaccine. Right. And there was not one talk anywhere about there's going to be bad reactions or the government's forcing us to do this. And what happened was polio largely got yeah, that that stuff amazes me. I remember that quite well. And everybody was, I I was eager this year too for uh, you know to get a COVID shot. Like it doesn't take any any real thinking. I don't want COVID. The shots work. It's free. <laughs> what the heck? Um, so many questions I I, I have, and uh, I want to ask about. You know, there are a lot of issues that are sometimes complicated. It affects people's lives quite a bit. There's the economy, there's reproductive rights, so many different issues. But I wonder about something different from that, something perhaps more powerful than that. And that's just likability. Do you like them? Do you like the candidate? I remember I was campaigning outside uh, for re-election, outside a, a factory gate, and people were coming by, and this woman stopped and said, yeah, I mean, she stopped for a minute, she said, I like your smile. I'll vote for you. And I was thinking, well, geez, I'll take her vote, but <laughs> what is this? I mean, here in New Hampshire, where the show is being produced, we have this Governor Sununu, who has masterfully taken on the issue of electric rates. It's actually his fault that the electric rates nearly doubled, but he goes right after him in his ads, and he's got this great smile. Everybody likes him. I mean, do candidates' positions on issues even matter? I mean, celebrity, for heck's sake, you know. People just, and here we got Herschel Walker, which we'll have to, you know, discuss as well. You know, just celebrity, likability. Did it not used to be candidates' positions on issues that were... No, well, you know something, Bird, you're right, but, but when you think about... Um, modern politics from FDR on almost always for president, we have, we have elected the more likable person. I mean, true. You know, mm. FDR was extraordinarily likable. Yes. Eisenhower was more likable than Stevenson. Yes. Kennedy was more likable than, than Nixon. Yeah, thank Johnson you. was a weird example, but <laughs> Reagan was, Reagan was uh, more likable than, much. you know, Bush was clearly more likable than Gore. Obama won the primary against Hillary because he was more likable. You know, um, you, you, that's, 
that's a modern fact of of mm. you, you like to vote for you, you like to vote for people you like. Why would you want to vote for somebody you don't like <laughs> simply because you agree with them on the issues? Um, mm. You know, one of the you know one of the sort of weird outliers like that is Bernie Sanders, who does everything he can personally to make people not like him <laughs> because he's a curmudgeon. Right. <laughs> But that became likable, you know, that became. And so, uh, yeah, you you it is it is nice in this business to have some sort of a winning personality or something where, you know, what I said about Hillary Clinton in both in 2008 and 2016, she was like a bad B movie actress in the 1930s Warner Brothers movie Mm. that, you know, that you just disliked as soon as you saw her face on the screen. Um, You know, and so a, she loses to Obama and then she loses to Trump. And if you, you know, and I think, you know, I think absolutely unequivocally, if, if, if she was somebody that you did not like, she would have been Trump in 2016. Yeah, yeah, she wasn't likable, and I, 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 oftentimes I, I generally think that it wasn't so much that Trump won, but that Hillary lost, and people just didn't like her. They just didn't right. like her. I mean, you know, and you can't, and you can't, you know, talk about people as deplorables and just, no, you know, be arrogant. And I'm, I'm sure, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm sure. Hillary Clinton, you know, sitting around is a very nice person and charming. And, you know, I, I finally heard her. It's two years now, more than two years that she did this famous two hour, almost two and a half hour Howard Stern interview mm. where she was completely different. And, and mm. even and Stern kept saying, well, why didn't you why weren't you like this in 2016? Mm. Um, you know, and it, it, it was talked about a great deal. But um that's the way it goes. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, you know, Harry Truman was more likable than Tom Dewey. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, 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 uh, that's just the way it's been. Um, and, in, and, and we are in this deal where the celebrity candidates, more and more of those are going to be elected. I mean, it started with, uh, Jesse Ventura getting elected governor of Minnesota and Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, J.C. Watt and, um, uh, uh, you know, that you can name a whole bunch of athletes and other people who are running a lot of military people, you know, are doing it. It's it's celebrities always mattered. Trump becomes president of the United States because he has, you know, a a second rate TV show. Um, But he was a it's unbelievable. It is. It is amazing. And you talk about 2016. I, I, I remember quite clearly the polls were like, and and on the election night thinking, well, the polls were really clear. Hillary's going to win. There's this state. Oops. Ah, then there's this state. Oh, my. Then there's this state. What happened to the pollsters? I mean, they're very scientific. You're in the business. What happened with the polls being so- Well, you know, you, you sound like this. there was... The, the Saturday after the election, Saturday Night Live did a skit exactly like you just did it, where all these kids on Saturday Night Live were sort of talking to each other. And then they, oh, I've got to call some, you know, it all disappeared. Right. Well, th- that's what I'm worried about in 2022. And that, you know, when you and I worked for Michael Harrington and we used to do in-house polls. Right. 
which we used to do. I mean, I, I work with a guy named Mike Lorenzano and we ran Lynn uh-huh. and, um, uh, you know, we, the two of us were in charge of Lynn, which is the biggest Big, yeah. city in the, in, in, the, in the old sixth congressional district. Yeah. And, um, you know, we used to do these in-house surveys and I remember doing three or four of them in the general election. And, um, we have our volunteers calls. Hi, you know, I'm Bert Cohen. I'm calling from independent polling research. Well, if we needed to get whatever we needed to get, we only had to make two phone calls to get one person to respond. And we could keep them on the phone for a half hour for the first, you know, it's now harder. I mean, it, my, my pollster friends say that they're only getting six, seven, eight percent response rate. I mean, you have to call a hundred people to get six or seven or eight to to complete a questionnaire mm-hmm. and the questionnaires can't be much more than 10 or 12 minutes. Sure. It's really hard to have somebody be on the phone, but the, 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 the problem in 16 and 18 and 20 is that a certain group of people, especially white working class men have been underrepresented in polls yeah. and it's very hard to get them to answer stuff. And those white working class men, have been largely Trump supporters. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you're talking about um, a Senate campaign in in Ohio where J.D. Vance is Mm -hmm. one point or one and a half points ahead on an average of Tim Ryan, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if if a poll is off by a point, and by the way, if you take a poll and you and the poll says Bert Cohen is beating Neil Oxman for state rep in New Hampshire, 70 to 30, there's no margin of error. Bert Cohen's going to win. But if a poll says uh, Bert Cohen's going to beat Neil Oxman, 46, 44, the margin of error is five and a half or six points. The margin of error goes up as the numbers get closer to each other in a poll. And all you can say that is the race is going to be close. And so then anything that's wrong with the poll, just an underrepresentation of one group of people or not predicting perfectly a turnout model, just saying, you know, maybe college kids aren't into, you know, the single biggest predictor of how people are going to vote, Bert, is age. It's not income and education. That's second. It's age. The older you are, the more likely you are to vote. Then it's income and education, but it's age. And so that's why, you know, if you I always tell kids when I lecture, if you go look at college divisions around the United States, um, even number presidential versus even number non-presidential years and look at the drop off. It doesn't matter whether the college is a liberal college like Swarthmore College outside of Philadelphia or Liberty University. Um, you know, there is a drop off in participation from presidential to non-presidential years. But if you, if you talk about a survey where J.D. Vance is a point ahead or 1.7 points in all these collective surveys they've done in Ohio, and there's just a little bit of a, just a little bit of a turnout model, they're, they're not predicting the turnout model perfectly, or some group is not getting through the screen because remember you know, when, when we, the first question you ask, uh, you ask somebody when you call them on the phone, are you registered to vote? Well, if the person says no, then you say, thanks very much. And right. then you, then you ask them, what are your chances of voting on a scale of one to 10? And if somebody sort of says six or less, then, then you say, thanks very much, because why do you want to talk right. to somebody 
who's not likely to vote. You only want to talk to somebody who's likely to vote, especially as you get close to the election. And and so that's why that was one of the things that that was wrong in 16 in that um, white working class men were hard to get to answer surveys. When we when we call people, when pollsters call people. Then they never used to do this, but they've had to do this over the past few years. You always say, hi, I'm Bert Cohen. I'm calling from independent polling research. May I speak to the youngest registered voter at home? Because kids don't answer the phone. And otherwise, you'd only get old people talking on the wow, phone. Wow, interesting. You know, you know, and so, you know, the, 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 which is why so many polls now are done online. Remember, no one has landlines anymore. Oh, I mean, those days are done. So it's very expensive to go get the phone numbers for cell phones. And a lot of polling is done online now. Um, a, because it can be done quicker and cheaper. Um, but, uh, you know, not everybody has access to uh, to computers or, 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 or cell phones that you can do it. So it's, you know, it's, it's hard to get. It's, it's all, it is harder today. In some in some cases, to get a, a much more accurate survey than it was twenty and thirty years ago, there's a little bit of more of a margin of error, and it costs more money. And pollsters are, whether it's an academic pollster at a university, you know, it, where they you know put stuff out like Quinnipiac does, mm-hmm. or Franklin and Marshall, or all the other nice. universities that do it, or the, the the private pollsters that do it either for consumer research or for politics. And it's a lot of money involved in that. And, and It sure is. It costs way more money to do survey research today than it used to. I, I think a lot of people seriously would have no idea how expensive polling is. It's shocking. It's, yeah, I, I, can, I can tell you. If you just tuned in, Bert Cohen here, the show is Keeping Democracy Alive. We're talking with Neil Oxman, co-founder of the campaign group. We're looking at... Uh, as the clock ticks closer to the election November 8th, how does it look? What are the factors? What's going on? I wonder about TV ads versus the new social media. And we and young people, I mean, they're just, you know, you see young people around, their their hands are on their phones all the time. It's just, I don't know how you get their attention. But how, what about TV ads versus new social media? Do you find, how, does TV still have, a big influence on it? They must because they're still buying the ads. Yeah, no, it, it, it still has the most influence because because um, it's aimed mostly at older people who vote more right. than younger sure. people do. I mean, younger people, A, don't register to their share of the population and don't vote to their share of registration. So they're, you get them on both ends. Um, and, and of course, young people don't watch TV on TV. They're, they, they, you know, they're... <laughs> watch it on a computer or they, they get stuff from YouTube or they it's everything but yeah. sitting at home in a chair and passively watching TV and not flicking past the commercials every five seconds. Right. But that's why look, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, there was no line item in any campaign budget for social media. Mm-hmm. It didn't exist. Right. And today it could be 10% of a, a political budget because, wow. because, you know, you 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 can't ignore voters under 35 and and you have to you know you have to talk to them and and uh it's it's yeah. still 
less expensive to to reach voters like that through social media than it is through direct mail. Um, uh, you know, so it's it's now part of it's now part of campaign budgets. Well, reaching young people, you're making me feel a little bit more optimistic. Quite frankly, I, I've become really, really pessimistic in the last week or two about how the election looks as a partisan Democrat. I just, I, I don't know, but the fact, you know, if we can get young people, then maybe they can vote our way. But then again, do how do we reach young people? I, it's really, really hard to reach young people, but they're not part of the polling. And uh, well, before I get to individual candidates and races that are really hot, the culture war. It seems that that's a really big deal with a lot of people, especially in the low-density population uh, areas of the country. There's immigration, the fear of invasion of the others. There's uh, Josh Hawley talking to uh, white men, what, what a lot of uh, feminists would call toxic masculinity. He's trying to promote that. What about the culture war? How is that playing into the 2022 election, do you think? Well, I think it's just I think it's just codified and solidified people's um, desire to vote for party. I mean, it's 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 you know, there there are far fewer voters in the middle. When you ask people mm. in exit polls, why did you vote for so and so? The answer is he's a Democrat or he's a Republican. Why did you vote against so-and-so? He's a Democrat or he's a Republican. I mean, it, it is, you know, the Republican parties had done a very good job of winning the culture war, using it um, to their advantage. And, you know, if, if, if abortion and the great replacement theory right. and a, a half a dozen things that you can name are, in your wheelhouse at all, you're voting Republican. And it's just it's just the way it is. And it and um, look, you you read it's probably 10 years ago now, the, the wonderful book. What's what's the matter with Kansas? What's right. wrong with Kansas? Right. Where, you know, uh, where they talked about why would people in Wichita vote this way? when it's against right. every single thing that matters to them, they're making the wrong votes. Um, you know, essentially they're voting for wall street instead of main street and it's hurting them and they're losing jobs and everything else, but it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it just, you, you can't, it, you're not going to change minds. And, and uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's so, so now, you know, uh, now races are, there are so few campaigns we do now, Bert. Where and and this is this is different than even ten years ago. Where you know Ed Rendell running for re-election as governor of Pennsylvania against a very popular guy, Lynn Swan from Pittsburgh, football player in the Hall of Fame, great player for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. R Rendell ended up getting twenty percent of the Republican vote in the general election because wow. Swan ended up is a great guy, but not particularly a good candidate for governor. I mean, you know, now, you know, if you look at any, I don't know what, I don't know how many Republicans are going to vote for Warnock in Georgia instead of, right. I mean, but 20 years ago, 
as bad a candidate as Herschel Walker has been, lying about 10 things on you know he didn't graduate from georgia he wasn't in law enforcement he wasn't you know he wasn't with honors i mean you know he doesn't have any kids he has i mean it just (laughs) an incredible amount of stuff they caught him lying about um he you know he 20 years ago 20 percent of the republicans would have voted for the democratic nominee now it's going to be far less than that. It, yeah. it, you know, party justice qualifies you from the other side now. And part of it is culture. Part of it is the way we look at the other side. I mean, I'm not a Trump person. I'm shocked. Um, I'm a, you know, 74 million people voted for Donald Trump in 2020. 74 yep. million. Yep. Biden got 81 million. Trump always says 75 million people voted for him. They did. It was 74 million. Not every one of those people is bad. They're not all horrible human beings. They're not all crazy, you know, MAGA people that I disagree with about everything. I mean, I play, I play golf with some of my my friends that I play golf with are Republicans. I don't hate them. Um, They're just Republicans and they voted for Trump. It doesn't make them, you know, they're good family people and they're not despicable human beings. Right. Um, but you know, the, the, we, we don't see each other that way anymore. And it's, it's the culture wars feeds into that. I mean, if you, you know, if you're, if you're in one party, you feel, you feel a certain way. Uh, um, and that's just the way it is and nothing's going to change. You're pro gun, you know, you're, you're pro death penalty, you know, you're anti-immigrant. I mean, you know, you and I can click them off. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And those things matter quite a bit. One thing, uh, you know, there's been there's currently, in my opinion, the elephant in the room that the Democrats are just pretending isn't there. It seems like the entire country understands now. Well, not the entire, but a huge majority of the country understands it was Donald Trump who made January 6th happen. It was a serious assault on democracy. Why are the Democrats not saying to Republicans, just linking them with MAGA and linking them with the assault on our country that happened January 6th? Democrats aren't saying a thing about that. What's I don't understand that. Um, well, they they certainly are with the hearings, Bert. But yeah, well, it yeah, depends but... on which it depends on what campaign you're talking about. I mean, you know, it's it's I I think that if we weren't in the economic situation we're in now, oh, that would be the central issue in this campaign. Uh-huh. Because it is, it is, you know, when you look at some of these polls that have been taken, for for a lot of Democrats, it's the number one issue. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the the because you and I are are worried about something that in our lifetimes we never even thought that we were exactly. worried about. Right, right. I and mean, I, you know. But you were worried about the, were the Red Sox ever going to win the World Series. Right. You weren't worried about democracy ending. Right. <laughs> For sure. Uh, it, it's just, it's unbelievable, and it's seriously under threats. And I do find it interesting that current polls, you know, say they, they're looking at the various different issues, and according to the ones I've seen, the, the polls indicate that saving democracy is a top issue. Is it motivating Voters, is it connecting with independence? That's the real key, of course, the independence. It is with some, and some people are scared about it. I mean, it is, it is, I think, actually, for some people in the Democratic base, it's, as, it's, as, it's an issue that's driving them as much as abortion. 
in terms of making sure mm-hmm. they're going to vote and and getting other people to vote. You know, th- I, I think that that's, I don't think there's any doubt about that. What about the growing uh, population of Hispanics in this country? I mean, Trump was clearly a racist in his immigration uh, tactics and, and, you know, preventing an invasion of those those people. But my sense is, and even among Hispanic women, may be trending Republican. What the heck? Um, that, <laughs> you know, that is so recent. It's amazing that, that that really just started in 2020. I don't know if it's a Biden thing or, but it, it, it you know, it, I, well, I think part of it is that um, when we talk about white working class men, you can now include on that, include in that Hispanic, right. Hispanic working class men mm-hmm. who aren't first generation immigrants, but have been here for a while and are no different than Archie Bunker. Mm. You know, they work mm-hmm. with their hands. Mm-hmm. They're, they're American citizens. Um, they, they, they aren't illegal. They're, they're, you know, they want the same things for their children that you and I do. Mm-hmm. And they have a different view of the world than liberal Democrats. And, and, and remember they're, they're overwhelmingly Catholic yes. and much more uh, uh, religious than the average American family. Yeah, it's true, and that's a big factor. What about another elephant in the room that we haven't talked about? Climate change. Is that even on the map? I mean, it's a big deal, but well, it's a big. It's it's it is the it is the biggest deal for you know. Once the seas rise a foot, and they will, yeah, you know, you and I will be gone, but they will in our children or grandchildren's lifetimes for real, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, uh, the state house on Beacon Hill will be <laughs> oceanfront, um, literally. Um, mm. The, you know, it's the existential. It is. It, it's more than an existential threat. It's it's a it's a real threat. But you know, who cares about it? As the number one driving issue, only six or seven percent of people. Right. You know. Um, well, we only have a but, couple. You know, the summers are getting warmer, and the oh, night. Yeah. I mean, and the worst thing is the nights are getting warmer. You know, if you look at the average yeah. temperature rise, it's not as much during the day as it is that the nights don't get as cool as they used to be. Oh, interesting, interesting. Well, we only have a couple minutes left. I, there's a lot more to talk about, but from from what you see, from your unique vantage point. Is there anything Democrats can do between now and November eighth that can connect with the to reconnect to people who aren't there with us? I mean, we just keep running the same ads and you know, same themes. Well, I mean, I I I, I think that the, the the good thing for Democrats the good is that independents um, we were losing them really badly six months ago. They're more, it's more neutral with independence uh-huh. now. I think we'll break even with independence, uh-huh. and um, it's just a matter of getting Democrats out. You know, it's 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 in in the six or seven states where uh, right. these Senate campaigns are very clear. I mean, the House is gone. We're going to lose the House. I mean, 
although the CBS poll said the Republicans in their list tracker, which which they released on Sunday, said that the Republicans are only going to win 224 seats in the House. It's going to be 224 to 11. That that the pickup is going to be modest. I mean, from where it is now, it's you know it's 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 220 to. 215 now or whatever the number is it's it's, uh, there's some vacancies but the democrats only have 220 and will drop down to to it's not going to be some they think it's not going to be some wipeout where at the beginning of the year everybody thought democrats would be down to 190 seats but you know it's it's six or seven seven senate campaigns which are all single digits low single digits Mm -hmm. and a bad poll or a good poll or a lousy turnout or a good turnout could be the difference of a 50 50 Yeah, it's going to be yeah. tight. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be tight, and all those races are going to be tight. Pennsylvania, well, New Hampshire's pulled away, but oh, Pennsylvania, yeah. North Carolina, Wisconsin, Ohio, Ohio uh, New Mexico, uh, uh, I mean, Nevada. Yeah. And, and Arizona, these yes. are all going to be single-digit races, and that's going to determine whether Biden will get one more judge appointment through or that's over. Yeah, it's a big deal. Nobody would have ever seen this coming. Neil Oxman, thank you so much. This has been great. Wonderful to reconnect with you. I mean, was 1976 really that long ago? I guess it It was. is a long time ago. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Neil Oxman. The group that uh, you founded uh, is uh, the Campaign Group. What a subtle name. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right, Bert, you take care. All right, thank you so much. All right, all right, bye. We got to encourage young people to vote. Here's a song aimed at kids by a group called Go Noodle. Vote, 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 raise up your hands and vote, vote, vote. You better take a stand in. Vote, 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 you can make a game plan. In your head. Back in the day, we had kings and queens. Yeah. We had to beg them if we wanted anything. Uh. A dictator doesn't get elected. That's a autocracy. The people are in charge. Yeah, let's hear it for democracy. Your beliefs really matter. It's important to express them. Vote, vote, voting is the best way to profess them. Vote. If nobody votes, then a few will decide. Speak your mind with your vote. Yeah. Do it nationwide. Around the nation. If you like that discussion, subscribe. Don't miss a single show. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or at the website, keepingdemocracyalive.com.